welcome to yet another episode of journal of knowledge i hope you have really enjoyed our previous episode which explained to you in detail regarding the politics and geopolitics of covid-19 vaccine i also hope that you are vaccinated and really safe it can not only help you as an individual but also will be helpful for the community at large today i'm here with an exciting episode that's based on indian politics indian politics has always been an area of interest both academically and also in understanding the socio political dynamics of this country indian politics of course is unique and stands apart from politics of rest of the countries starting from independence in 1947 we have a tons of political parties as well as had really vibrant elections india is also the world's largest democracy it's a federal republic and is also a secular country with all these diversity as well as the unity in diversity which we call it as why is that in the past few years we have been experiencing a wide range of polarization that's happening within the political spectrum and how it has been affecting us we are getting more intolerant we are refusing to listen to opposing views we don't want to have a healthy conversation we are getting divided and divided each day that passes on so we inspect on how important indian politics is and why the polarization is really affecting and what all are the effects and the reasons behind the polarization both panelists today will speak to you are really proficient in indian politics and also they have a real good understanding of media and also the society we live in they have been following a lot of contemporary issues news they also have a lot of views and insights to share with you at the same time they will introduce you to a lot of resources which will really be helpful in you getting at most knowledge on this subject so please do stick on till the end listen to what all they want to say listen to different perspectives and have your own opinion and let me know your feedback stay tuned and enjoy the show stick on till the end today we have two prominent indian political experts we have journalist online entrepreneur on cycling accessories ritu jacob he has worked with asia will the quint and the own manorama media house speaker and political enthusiast nafi shamir we'll be discussing about the situation which is highly polarized indian politics between the left and the right the liberals and the conservatives capitalists and socialists between hindus and muslims the communals and seculars and also we'll have a detailed discussion on what exactly are the causes and what's the way forward before moving on to the discussion i would request the panelists to please introduce themselves uh, hello everyone my name is nafi and i'm pleased to take part in this podcast along with my friends jayram and ritu so indian politics is something which i have been very fascinated with from a young age i have been taking part in several uh, mun type debates like mock parliaments and then elocutions debates uh, etc 
uh, with uh, on Indian politics as a topic. So uh, it is something which, whether you like it or not, Indian politics is something which impacts all of us, including us, the speakers, as well as you, the listeners. So uh, I'm sure this podcast will enlighten all of you and all of us. And I look forward to a fruitful, fruitful discussion. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you all. And thank you, Jairam and Ritu. I'm very happy to take part in this podcast with you. Thank you, Nafi. Thank you, Jairam. My name is Ritu. As uh, said by Jairam, I run an online store. It's called United by Cycling. What we do is we uh, uh, import goods uh, from uh, our vendors and uh, we sell them on our online store. I've completed my PG degree in mass communication and journalism from Sacred Heart College, Tebra, and uh, did my internship with Asheville and the Quint. I also write stories in between. And uh, I've been following Indian politics since a young age. Uh, when people used to read the sports pages first, I was the one who used to read political pages uh, as a child. So uh, the topic is really interesting to me as well, the polarization of Indian politics. I hope all the listeners would get a few insights into what we feel about the current situation of Indian politics. Thank you, both of you. You seem to be really enthusiastic about this podcast. And I must also say that both of them have really good medium pages where they write about different topics and articles for you guys to read. Both of these panelists will talk about their view as well as few suggestions for us to take away from this podcast. Before moving on to the topic, what exactly do you think that keeps Indian politics apart from rest of them? Or what exactly is that unique thing which differentiates between others and Indian politics? If you ask me, I would say there are two main things which make Indian politics unique. One is definitely the uh, diversity in the country. We have the historic diversity, the linguistic, the religious, geographic, even economic diversity. In fact, even the literacy rate, the uh, languages, everything varies all over the country. You know, after all, there's a reason why we are known as a subcontinent. Because we are literally a human museum where people of, uh, people of def- uh, different ethnicities reside together. So that definitely impacts our uh, uh, democracy when compared to the people of other countries. So I don't think we need to point out further examples of our diversity because it's well known. So I'm coming to our second point. That is the idea that India is our nation. So there is this mindset among us citizens in India that we are a nation we won this nation from the British after a really hard freedom struggle. So uh, despite this diversity, all of us think together as one unit. We stand together as one unit so that we do not lose this hard-earned freedom again. Yes, this is a simplest, uh, simplistic idea, a simplistic approach. Uh, there are many layers to it. But then this mindset is something which has glued us for the past 70 to 75 years. Of course, this unity in diversity, that is what is uh, called as, uh, that, is, uh, that is the famous thing uh, about India. And that sets us apart from other countries which are actually homogeneous. We are not homogeneous, we are heterogeneous. Then there are other minor aspects also, apart from these two, that make Indian politics unique. Uh, for example, you can say we are the pioneers of the symbol system, where we vote, where along with the names of the parties and the candidates, there's a symbol next to it. Actually, we are the pioneers. Uh, even though we are not the first people, we were the ones who took it forward to the next level. Uh, to help people from various economic backgrounds. Again, an impact of diversity. 
and uh, the universal adult franchise uh, before it became uh, common in other countries i guess india was again the pioneer here then we have another concept of anti incumbency which is uh, not that much impactful in other democracies like uh, for instance compared to the us we have a high rejection rate whoever is ruling the uh, rule, whoever is the ruling party we have a high rejection rate to uh, get rid of them so the probability of getting reelected is not that high and we have state elections also we are known as a cooperative federalism so the voting patterns are very very different in state versus uh, lok sabha elections we can see that in uh, all over the nation so yes we are unique when it comes to world politics indian politics is unique so uh, ritu here what i really like about indian politics is the number of political parties we have in fact you will be amazed to know that we have with the election commission of india almost 2698 parties with seven national parties 52 state parties and almost 2000 unrecognized parties the whole country which is one of one among the largest in the country in terms of the area of area and also the second largest in terms of population we have so much diversity not just in what we eat what we talk or what we wear but also in our politics as well for example we can coexist in a, in in one classroom where there will be at least four or four to five people with different ideologies today it has it is even more divided but still when it comes to uh, other fields we are we stand together so that's what i really like about our country and our constitution gives a chance to even the marginalized section to excel in their life if exercised correctly this is what i love about our country and our indian politics so that was really enlightening and insightful so coming on to the main agenda at hand is polarization as we see today a result of the past or is it something which happened recently or it has always been there and which we didn't notice till now so what is it especially we also have new po- uh, types of polarization coming like the national versus anti national and especially those debates which are also coming into mainstream is this something new or has the has it there been for a long time is there a polarization in indian politics i would say uh, yeah there is a polarization happening right now but uh, is it a new phenomenon i would say partly yes partly no a national level polarization is something which is quite new frankly i would say but then polarization has existed in several regions zones communities etc maybe the, uh, the mindset would have been there the us versus the mentality would have been there deep inside but it would have been in a dormant phase we cannot exactly go inside the minds of people and just uh, uh, see whether it was dormant earlier or not i don't know if it is possible but i can say that currently polarization is not limited to politics also it, uh, it is there in many other fields including art cinema movies music etc so why is this polarization happening right now i would say it is because uh, the influence of rise of social media the social media rise from a general perspective cutting across all fields including politics uh, you can see that uh, there is a polarization like even in uh, example outside politics i would talk about movie fan bars where if you are a fan of one actor people automatically assume that you are a hater of the other actor so uh, it's always like right now there is a mindset that 
uh, everything is in a binary that is if you're black then you're then you're anti white if you're white uh, anti black i'm not talking about the skin color i'm talking about black and white as the shades in general or uh, scientifically you can say zero versus one uh, yes versus no uh, hate versus like there is always that uh, binary going on so there are no shades of gray in between right now that is the prejudice which we have right now uh, i mean not we but generally because of this polarization we can see that there is no shades of gray you're either black or you're white you're either left or you're right you're either zero or you're one so that uh, two thing binary is going on uh, if you see in india historically there have been cases where members of the same family they belong to different political ideologies but then that is not something new like you could see that thick friends or uh, thick best friends or husband and wife or father and son they all belong there is there's a huge chance that they belong to different political parties but then that didn't affect the relationship between them so for example uh, we all know uh, atal bihari vajpayee former prime minister and a very prominent right winger and we know jyoti basu a very prominent left winger uh, former chief minister of west bengal but then they both were very thick friends uh, despite their political ideology and in fact you know foreigners were actually shocked seeing that people of opposite ends were very close friends with each other but this is quite quite common in india in fact we know of cases where uh, pe- uh, people from uh, other political parties campaigned for their brothers and sisters uh, their own brothers and sisters in other political parties with the line saying blood is thicker than water so there are several case- there used to be several cases like that even right now also but then we can see some additional evidence that is statistical evidence anecdotal evidence which says that due to political preference there is a division of such bonds family bonds friendship bonds people are getting divided right now people are fighting over it they not just bothered that blood is thicker than water or friendship is thicker uh, for them right now their political preferences are more important than their uh, bonding between them actually this is an effect of polarization polarization is the cause and dividing of bonds is the effect so through this effect we can see that yes polarization is something which is new at least on a national scale this is what i would like to convey so for me i don't believe that polarization came to india all of a sudden it was always there but what makes me actually fear is right now the polarization is in such levels that hate has been mainstreamed whether you are polarized based on your political affiliations or based on race on your religion currently what i see is india has been polarized based on religion especially since the national party which is the bjp came into power and also recently when they enacted a citizen amendment act that's when you see the real religious polarization happening in fact with the up elections coming we would see even more polarization because the national party as such would want to divide the votes between a major community of india with another community and fight elections that is the way forward for them because whatever they promised in 2014 in terms of economic growth they haven't been able to deliver and how do they win elections now the only way forward is to polarize the people even further which is now growing in greater proportions what we saw in assam is a result of this a media person be it be a media person appointed by a state or an independent media person would never dare to do such a in incident 
probably four to seven years ago. But today we see such acts committed by people who are supposed to stay neutral. I would say India's polarization started uh, going down. The, the polarization started when Rajiv Gandhi opened the gates of the mosque. And that's when even Congress, which was supposed to be left, turned towards a softer right position. From there, you would see India has turned to mostly the population towards a right wing. But what is happening is the polarization has affected even the thinking of children, how they, uh, like Nafi said, even when uh, even movies or arts where people are saying that this sort of movie should not be screened, this should be screened. So the polarization has started making us talk like you versus such, which eventually is not something we as Indians who are supposed to stay together, like we said in the beginning of the podcast that un uh, unity and diversity is our strength. This will lead to a situation where there will be two halves of the country which will be fighting for what they think is right and what, they th what the other person thinks is right. So this is exactly my fear when India is getting polarized and hate has been mainstreamed. That was a really good speech by both of you and very well said with respect to uh, socio-cultural backgrounds as well as how we perceive things as we grow up and how hate has mainstreamed right now. Apart from that, the effect of uh, media, social media, then religion, we'll come to that in detail in next few questions. But what are the main reasons for the polarization as such? We know polarization is there. It has been and brought to the mainstream right now, as you have said. But why has it triggered on a very large scale? And how can you compare this with the polarization that's happening right now across the globe, maybe in the United States, maybe between the liberals and the conservatives, the Republicans and Democrats, between pro-Trump, anti-Trump, and also in Europe, the pro-refugees, anti-refugees, and between the left and the right. So how can you see India's polarization staying apart from the other global polarization, as well as uh, what exactly are the different factors which are responsible for the same? I feel that the root cause can be traced down to economics. Why do we see polarization? Definitely economical factor is one thing which is very important. You see the last two, three decades, uh, they were mostly about liberalization, globalization, etc. And uh, so we were moving across uh, countries. We, uh, we uh, established manufacturing centers, service centers across uh, Europe and US, maybe in India, China, everywhere. And so uh, there's, there was this free movement all over the world, comparatively. And uh, But then that did not uh, answer to the aspirations of several groups. You see in the 2008 depression, many groups felt alienated because of globalization and uh, liberalization uh, ever since the 2008 depression and maybe even before that. So uh, many groups couldn't get their aspirations answered despite this liberalization and globalization, which was promised to bring economic growth and everlasting peace to the world, which was prom uh, which promised to bring uh, bonds as well as money to everyone. So uh, bonds as uh, social bonds, not the uh, money bond. 
so the polarizing groups seeing that these uh, the polarizing uh, people so seeing that the aspirations of certain groups were not answered uh, these are mostly the dominant communities in most of the countries polarizing figures actually uh, promised to take these communities out of their economic uh, uh, economic downs that is uh, they promised to give, answer these economic aspirations if they were voted to power so the dominant community seeing economic benefits first voted for the polarizing groups and whether these aspirations have been answered or not all these years uh, that is another debate i don't want to talk about that right now but uh, polarizing figures once they come into power they need to consolidate that so they use further polarizing tactics uh, uh, so that they consolidate and stay in power so th this leads to this further us versus them mentality once again it keeps on going down the uh, uh, down the pit down the abyss so now i guess that in many countries all over the world this is one root cause of the polarization in fact in india also we had this anti corruption movement and all that it was purely economical but then we had to vote for bjp whether they uh, answered the economic aspirations or not that is another debate but uh, they have definitely tried to enforce some form of polarization at least so that they can consolidate wherever power they get and then the rise of social media that is another factor so uh, certain voices which used uh, 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 which used to keep quiet because their opinions were considered offensive or fringe earlier now these voices can actually openly give their uh, uh, openly give their opinions on social media they can actually get an audience uh, who would like to hear such opinions so we can actually right now see social media battles a real battle uh, just like a real battle we see social media battles between the keyboard warriors so these are severely high pitched you can see uh, words being shot like weapons you can see all the uh, discourse coming up and down in social media by these keyboard warriors you see like if we look at the human nature we all really want to hate someone but we all want an enemy so that having an enemy and trying to defeat that enemy that actually gives us a purpose in life not some uh, it doesn't uh, give any monotony in fact when we fight an enemy every day we use new tactics and all that that gives a certain thrill in life when we try to come over them So social media has only fueled that instinct, uh, that human instinct inside us. So I would say yes, it is a mixture of natural and economic factors that we are seeing a trend of pol uh, polarization all over the world. For me, when I when we talk about polarization, I think it goes back to uh, our pre-independence level, pre-independence day. What I say is that there were two ideas of India before independence. Are we going to remain as a sec? Are we going to build India as a secular country? or are we going to build india as a hindu rashtra there was congress there was a hindu mahasabha and there were two different ideologies and that is where it all started of pol polarization and when the government was formed under the congress mahatma gandhi jawahar lal nehru who was the first prime minister of india made sure and even our constitution that we will remain as a secular country although the word secular was not added then the constitution the entire crust meant that india will be a secular country but what has happened is there were there was always a majority of people who opposed this idea of a secular nation they had their fair share of right to say it because if you look at the population 80% of the population belongs to one particular religion and obviously they would want that religion to be recognized and make india a hindu or a hindutva country there is always this conflict between 
those who want a secular nation and those who want a hindu rashtra this is where the polarization came into effect and you could see this two i two ideas fighting together not just on social media but also in terms of art on in terms of protest especially when you see the uh, citizenship amendment protest it wasn't just the minorities who were part of uh, anti ca movement it was also the majority of indians who were also hindus they said we want a secular nation this is where the polarization and the government understood that probably they were wrong in coming up with a law like caa where even the majority of the population was against caa so i believe this was one of the main reasons of uh, polarization and that has affected in 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 election wins and election losses at state level in national level because of the marginalization of congress and the loss of trust by people who are secular in nature that congress is also moving towards the right people have started doubting the ability of congress to mount an effective opposition against the nationalist parties like bjp uh, this is why we having a polarization now you asked about what is happening in us us the polarization is not because of religion or or uh, compared to india it is mostly because do they want to pay does, does the rich want to pay a higher taxes trump wanted to bring something completely different from what the other his predecessor wanted to achieve so there was a anti trump and obviously a pro trump movement but that can't be compared to a indian situation where we have this two ideas of india that coexist even now has this polarization in any way affected india's democracy and has this ever reflect somewhere else maybe say in the way we live or in the way we act in an external environment or at our workplace or anything like that so that's my question again as i said earlier um, people did belong to different political ideologies but then their personal bonds didn't break but right now due to polarization you can see that uh, quarrels are happening uh, fights are happening friendships are being cut uh, family bonds are being cut because of this polarization and uh, so taking sides has become the trend right now that is uh, you have to take a side you cannot stand in between so if you Uh, so yes that is the prime effect of polarization right now the way we live the what, what we eat everything has uh, uh, everything has been affected by this uh, trend right now uh, it is not just in political sphere everything is in- interconnected whether economic or political or social every uh, every sphere of our life is interconnected and so yes if one sphere is uh, changed then so will the other two spheres uh, or maybe a third or fourth sphere so definitely this has affected i'm not saying i'm not going to disagree with that statement yes it has affected all of us uh, in our day to day life when else when you ask me whether polarization has affected the democracy i think mo- yes it does in a way but what really has affected our democracy is not just polarization but how the governments have started becoming authoritarian 
the darkest chapter of, of our Indian de- democracy was definitely the emergency period between 1975 and 1977, when a prime minister showed to the entire world how one of the largest democracy in the world can be brought to her feet. That actually gave a license or what you could say a motivation for the other governments in future to grab hold on our democratic institutions, the investigation agencies, and even our Supreme Court. What I see difference between the Indira Gandhi government and the current government is when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to limiting the democratic power of the people is Indira Gandhi made sure that she exercised a law from our constitution when she proclaimed emergency. But what we are seeing now under this government is this, is that we have an unofficial emergency going on where our media, which wants to speak the truth, is either blacked out, as in they are not able to see the truth because they've been haunted by investigation agencies, with, which is supposed to remain independent. Or we have, and we also have the government coming hard on activities, activists like, like for example, the BK-16, where most of our intellectuals are in jail under UAPA charges, and even the trial has not started. We also had the unfortunate incident of Father Stan Swami losing his life while in custody, and the trial had not been started. Obviously, the root cause is polarization because they don't want to see a unified India. They don't want to make sure that there are different pockets of polarization throughout the country in believing in what is right or wrong. And how polarization is now going to affect democracy is tomorrow, if someone wants to seek justice, that justice will depend upon what political ideology he is from. For For the same crime or for the same... If he has broken one, a law, the, the institution will, will charge him under one law if he is from a different political party and he might be charged another law if he is from a different political party. We've seen hate speeches by union ministers, but that's never been questioned. But speeches which is supposed to bring people together, those speeches are taken out of question and they have been jailed under UAP. This is indeed sad and not a good sign for a country like India, which, where we take pride in being one of the largest democracies in the world. In fact, today, we, according to different institutions, we are not a democracy anymore. We are an elected autocracy. This is indeed sad. Hopefully, our political parties realize this, and uh, we, take, we give the power not to the hands of politicians, but back to the people. That was indeed enlightening and I'm sure someone or an agency or an institution will of course take note of it and press or media considered as the fourth pillar of democracy and India with having one of the most vibrant news media in the world directly being affected by the Indian politics and the polarization like never before. So how far has media played an important role in polarizing the existing lines or directly being affected by the polarization inflicted upon it as such? And I'm also asking this mainly because uh, you're directly associated with various uh, media outlets and 
you have also done uh, your post graduation in mass communication so i would really expect an insightful answer from both of you running a media house like if you are asking me the media and the polarized landscape i would say running a media house is actually a business uh, so in or at the end of the day they have to feed their family their children their parents so in order to survive in this business the media people they need to answer to the needs of the customers that is the audience who is consuming this media so in this polarized day and age the best way for a media person to get a continuous customer base is to pander to any one side or any other side that is the easiest way right now because this is the current trend this is the age of polarization so they have to do that in order to survive and so most media do media so most media houses do just that they pander to one of the two sides of the spectrum they either pander to the left side or to the right side of course you can see some media houses they have enough infrastructure to create two avenues to pander to different sides of the spectrum so they get a larger cons- uh, customer base all this is happening because it's a business so if you want that to change people should decide if this is uh, this is what they want whether they want to be polarized whether they want to be a part of us versus them or whether they want to be part of a neutral side that is up to the people if the people change so will the media who is serving them will change businesses are just merely here to cater to the needs of the people and once these needs change the business operations will also change of course there is some external a uh, factor which helps the media where, uh, if they get more money from some source they would only pa- uh, pander in such a way that that source get praised more and uh, the other side gets uh, criticized more that is also there but then primarily they are just a business and they would do only what uh, people want so it is a two way uh, two way system people want polarization media will uh, only go for polarization media tries to polarize and influence the people people further get uh, further stray into the polarized landscape only so again it is a two way uh, uh, it is a two way arrow so i would say yeah this is the role of the media in the polarized landscape let me quote a tweet by sally clare before i start the conversation conversation about the role of media so the tweet goes like this way if someone says it's raining and another the person says it's dry it's not your job to quote them both your job is look out of the window and find out what is true this is exactly the role of a media currently what is happening is the media is not speaking truth to power which is the minimum role a media house or a newspaper or a journalist is supposed to do why are they not speaking there are economical reasons and there are reasons because they don't want to go against the government why is this happening that is because the government does not what want the media to function independently they will either cut down the advertisements like what has happened in jammu and kashmir when article 370 was abrogated they made sure that the newspapers that was not doing in line with the government they they made sure that the advertisement government advertisement did not go to those newspapers which was one of the most uh, ways of revenues and even when you look at other media houses you could see government not giving enough advertising because they question the government more often than not so the money is important in any business right even if you want to run a media you need money you need money to give the employees i'll also quote a quote a cmi data 
In September 2016, the media and publishing industry employed over 10.3 lakh people. And today, after the effects of COVID, there is only 2.3 lakh people in the media. Either they have lost their jobs or they have left the field. There is not enough data to prove either one of them. So what has happened? People have started not trusting media. And of course, there is the rise of social media in the last five, uh, five to seven years, where the consumers, they before 2010, they had the mainstream media. Now they also have the social media. So they get information from both this. And what happens in social media is sometimes they get news that they want to hear. So they will follow that particular news, which means the means the media is losing a fair share of revenue because they, there are not much consumers to read the news. Now, you talked about polarization. Is media polarizing our community? I would say yes. And to quote an example, look at Tablighi Jamaat event, which happened before COVID. They made sure that a particular minority community was ostracized, almost ostracized. And they said, okay, these are the people who spread coronavirus in India. And during second wave, when there were melas happening all over the country, no one really bothered, right? So this is how media is trying to polarize. And this is evident from what how, uh, the primetime news is all about. If you look at these stats, there were hardly any debates about what the second pandemic was, but they were talking about other facts. Now, look at the penetration of media. We have almost 140 crore people in India, probably a little less. But it is the Hindi media which has more access to the ground. The, because that is how our country is. We have a more, more people who would understand Hindi than English, right? So what happens is they would obviously listen to news channels that give, the, that gives them news about um, different polarized topics, right? So the people will believe this is what is indeed true. They would miss out on the most objective reports, which has been published by other houses. So that what happens is media, if they set an agenda, this is what the consumer or the person who consumes the news will believe. So in short, I would also uh, like you to throw light upon with uh, allegations of pro-government news houses or the anti-establishment news houses, the liberal versus conservative, the mainstream versus digital, or the new age media as we talk about, has uh, new journalism initiatives like the digital journalism has uh, forced the rest or the media itself to lose a balance and play itself on this polarized game and also keep in touch with uh, the governments at hand. And All right. So... When you talk about digital media and the mainstream media, let's just have two heads for, so that it's easier for the uh, listener to understand. Digital media has a very, very small presence in terms of uh, how many people would read digital media, right? Because sometimes these digital medias are under a paywall. Some are free, but the mainstream news, which, is, which can be consumed either directly from TV or as a newspaper, 
that still has more wider circulation or more wider audience than the digital media so digital media can even now it can't act as uh, against a mainstream media because their uh, conception is as i mentioned is law what can the media do um, so the digital media i wouldn't say they've lost their balance because there are uh, news outlets like news laundry the uh, the scroll the wire which is also you know people call them anti establishment there are news outlets that stand up against uh, the government they've not been influenced by it, the governments in this governments which exist now even prior even prior to the india government there were a few digital media that took on the government even we've seen them during the uh, uh, during the protest anti corruption movement now when you talk about mainstream media what has happened is for a mainstream media to exist right they would need a huge capital than a digital media which can probably exist with a couple of journalists a mainstream media would have has to run a production house they have a huge cost so they can't go against government at full at full go because not just not not that they can't currently they used to before the ngs if you look at the upa years the media was fairly independent they weren't much upa years they weren't much much saying about like how currently the people describe as godi media there was not a congress media they were there was never the media made sure that the corruption reports came out in the daylight the hindu used to report on those corruption allegations and when the hindu reported on the rafel corruption allegation it was brushed aside so this polarization has obviously influenced the mainstream media but it doesn't influence digital media as such the digital media yes there are pro government digital medias but that that does not have enough consumers like the digital media which actually publishes the objective news at least uh, coming to the media and whatever we talk about the mainstream media which is caters directly to a large audience we need to look for media models which are outside india maybe from the europe and the united states media which is quite independent at the same time it's available to the wider public as well as people who are ready to pay for the news they consume i think these are also few interesting ideas which the indian media can adopt at least if not now but in future and even we the consumers can also evaluate the performance of media and according to that we can also start paying paying for them and make sure that they stay independent and continue doing their objective work i would like to add a few points when you mention about europe and the media being independent there let's take the example of the guardian the guardian is run by the scott trust right and they also have a paywall where the where they make where the subscribers pay them a amount so that the the guardian runs but what was guardian prior to becoming a digital they were a newspaper and they turned it around to completely a digital news outlet they made sure that they came up with very objective stories and they they created 
they created an audience wherein the audience would be ready to pay them a subscription charges but you cannot have that model in india because not all not all readers or not all consumers read something which is english they we have we have almost 20 different languages which is commonly spoken and written right so when we have such diversity in languages to have a digital media which can independently work without uh, government support it is little hard to have and also we as consumer are little hesitant to pay directly to a digital media the because we have different there are many many other avenues to consume this news not just digital media we also have the mainstream media where you are anyways paying for the tv subscription charges you get to watch the news so hopefully this will happen in in future what we could say is yes uh, there there is a few exceptions to this like the wire or the scroll which works not no, works on subscription basis and in south we have the news minute where they have a patron project there will come a point when the public will demand that they want to know news objectively and not biased uh, the new, new news which we get on like the mainstream news channels as we say uh, we get it for free right instead Correct. of that um, uh, if you take the example of the us or any other country generally from the west uh, western hemisphere we find that even there they have to pay for the news channels if it is let it be cnn let it be the fox or let it be whatever a news uh, mainstream news channel they want they should pay for it but here we are getting it for free i'm not saying that we should not get it for free but if we can introduce some kind of uh, proper subscription we can reduce the revenue which generally comes from they adds to so that's what exactly what i meant with respect to that not just um confining with the digital part as such right uh, th- but there is also one this one distinct feature when it comes to uh, england they have the british broadcasting company which is funded by the parliament wherein the bbc brings out news they have their expenditure and the parliament the british parliament has to uh, approve whatever the expenses are we don't have a state media as mainstream as bbc in india right uh, so that is probably india can think about uh, taking that idea from obviously their colonizer england and implementing here to make sure that there is a mainstream media which is independent of the government that comes and goes every 5 years yeah that's true but it's quite hard to implement maybe uh, the existing models especially uh, the doordarshan and what not can be thought of changing into that particular model but it's quite uh, clearly uh, like we can't ensure that it might stay independent just like uh, bbc b because we can't say, give that particular guarantee right okay so without wasting time let's move on to the next part talked about the role of media and the causes as such what about the idea of tolerance that stands quite opposite to the polarizing idea as well. where do you draw the line between these two if you believe that these two are two mutually different topics or mutually different ideas or if you think both of them are the same okay uh, regarding 
polarization versus tolerance actually it's a very interesting debate if you see that uh, if you see generally the conserv- there's a general perception that conservatives are more towards the polarized side and liberals are more towards the tolerant side okay let us set that aside for now i mean let us talk about the liberals for now uh, if you are talking about liberalism liberalism is more about uh, accepting of people of all kinds uh, whether they are good or bad or whether we have to uh, reform them like prison versus reform or uh, death penalty versus life imprisonment liberalism is more about uh, being more pacifistic being more non violent and trying to uh, make everyone's voice heard so the main problem with liberalization is that due to liberalization and due to liberal institutions the polarized figures they tend to make their voice also heard in such a liberal sphere so liberals being pacifist in general they do not try to uh, subdue these intolerant voices so uh, again we have to say there is a paradox now we have to tolerate the intolerant if we are fully liberal or if we do not tolerate them we are we are becoming intolerant so tolerance of intolerance is something which is a very uh, very much asked question and what i would say is that we should not tolerate we should be intolerant of uh, intolerance i know it sounds confusing but uh, that is what i would say uh, if we do not give them a platform maybe they uh, maybe we do not get their voices heard so polarity versus tolerance uh, the debate is that whether we should uh, whether liberals should tolerate the other side or not that is the first question the second question the second aspect is that uh, if the polarized people come in power they will not uh, let the tolerant people speak they will not let the uh, let people of any other side uh, express their voice because uh, that goes against their interest they might lose money power or they might lose their political power so they will definitely not uh, allow that to happen so uh, uh, definitely again liberals would be on the losing side once more so these questions should be answered from a philosophical point of view whether we are uh, uh, whether we have to tolerate such people or not in case if liberals come back to power again i am again sure that uh, they are going to allow these uh, intolerant voices to speak up so this is going to be a cycle human history is always like a cycle we can say that history repeats so uh, we cannot uh, uh, so it's going to be very pointless whether we are going to intol- whether we are going to be uh, intolerant of to- uh, intolerance or not it's again a matter of a cycle that's what i would like to say here all right so why are we seeing this intolerance versus tolerance debate at all the reason is where is this happening which platform is it happening it's mostly happening in social media where the other person does not really see the face of other person does not understand what he or she is going through and makes a comment uh, it could it could be on a political topic it could be on a topic of a movie or or a series which was released in netflix right they this is where the tolerance and intolerance fights are coming in like nafi said liberals may be little more tolerant and there will be other groups who may not be tolerant to a certain subject or a certain topic that is being discussed what i what i really feel is is this if these people who are having a fight on social media or any platform for that matter if they come together and understand what this other person wants to communicate really because no form of communication is complete if you don't understand what the other person is trying to communicate through their body language as well it can always be misrepresented or the communication may not be complete right so in that case what is happening is you're having someone with certain certain belief you're having another person which is completely opposite beliefs and they are engaging in a 
uh, in a fight and what will happen is a person who who may have his followers or his friends online friends may also get the support from and try to subdue another person which is basically bullying on social media and we've had many many controversies around the subject and not necessarily in polit- in politics and when you look at the data in politics this tolerance intolerance fight happens when there is a particular issue or when there is elections are in sight right so this intolerance versus intolerance topic will continue as long as our polity exists it is never going to die down there will always be uh, a side uh, two sides and there will always be someone who stays neutral and tries to calm calm down both the parties so this will anyways exist till the world exists there it is not going to change what really needs to change is how you speak or how you put forward your arguments are you trying to dehumanize a person or are you trying to trying to fight on a topic based on facts or are you trying to pedal like for example during corona times we've had pseudo science people commenting on things they have absolutely no clue about so this is where the uh, topic needs to go and they need to come to a middle ground so that you know at least the debates are healthy and not not really affecting the mental health of the people involved in it these politicians influencers then common people then we have opinion pages all these use social media so how far has these people these biased or i would say those people with their own perceptions about various issues those who have their own propaganda their own idea of what exactly the truth is how far has they themselves uh, damaged the social media landscape and affecting the hashtag age which we supposed to call and also with twitter being one of the most politically weaponized tool which we have to so uh, to answer this question i want to repeat two points which i said earlier one is that polarizing figures need to use more polarization so that they can consolidate and stay in power second thing which i would like to repeat is that we as humans love to have an enemy that is there in our inherent nature so once you mix both together we are actually getting a deadly combo known as social media propaganda so people from all side of the spectrum they use all sorts of methods whether uh, good methods or bad methods hook or crook they want to achieve their goals i have seen people from all sides of the political spectrum so i'm not specifically pinpointing anyone here and today's age specifically we are known as a post truth world post truth world means we are accepting our i'm not saying everyone but people generally tend to accept the arguments which agree with their emotions they do not look at the facts or figures as long as this opinion agrees with my emotion i'm going to accept it this is a general prejudice in many people right now i don't know whether it's most or uh, a small or, or a sizable minority but many people do have this mindset today and this post truth phenomenon is actually world worldwide thing it is not rest, uh, restricted to india alone you can see the anti vaccine propaganda you can see that uh, uh, so much of propaganda is going on all over the world and this is a result of the post truth world where people prefer their emotions over facts so again as a consequence we can see that there is a rise in fake news and as ritu sir said pseudo science there's a lot of th- such things rising up uh, again uh, in all fields so this is further pushing people into the us versus them uh, binary it's like a, a kabaddi match where there's a line in between and people are on two sides 
so uh, all these factors are definitely pushing people further away from each other further away from this line and uh, so right now the political uh, polarizing figures they have a certain support base and they need to retain that support base they need to have the us side on that particular uh, side they do not want the people to move over to the other side so they will keep on using all these tactics as long as the people stay in this side because uh, even if it uh, results in violence or some uh, some sort of uh, wrong thing happening to the people on the other side they do not care because after all we know everything is fair in love and war that is the saying so they definitely go on doing that then when it comes to social media again it is algorithm based whatever data you have whatever preferences you have these uh, social media entities after all they are also capitalists they need money to survive they would keep collecting up personal data data is the new oil that is the new say that is the current saying right now they would keep collecting our data and whatever we prefer they are going to keep on bombarding information uh, raised to that only whether it is true or false they uh, that only that would come into a social media field whether it is facebook or twitter or youtube or reddit whatever we like only that would come into our screen so definitely uh, that is again going to further alienate sections of people away from each other and so it is all interconnected like i said earlier again and again everything is interconnected so if we have to change uh, if we have to change everything we have to pin uh, pinpoint one place where we can change we try to change that so that the interconnections uh, it will create a domino effect where other spheres will also get interconnected i think it is only human to have an opinion on a subject but currently what's happening is let's say you're an influencer with 50000 followers you want to make an opinion the point is are you going to make an informed opinion or are you making an opinion based on your prejudice right and this person who has a fan following of 50000 or 500000 followers will also have a set of followers who will believe in whatever they say they would not think anything rationally that is what's happening as nafi said in a post truth world if x person says this is the way forward to uh, a controversy or a topic there'll be x into a thousand or 10000 person who will agree to that person they would not even do a basic background check to verify the facts of the controversy to uh, quote an example let's talk about cor- cor- uh, the uh, the recent covid pandemic some people said these vaccines may not be effective and then they would say okay this if we take this vaccines it will result in a particular scenario but they don't even do a basic search and people who make this information make this opinion uh, passed on as information do not even have a science background uh, or a background to even qualify to make a statement so what we should do is people need to be educated enough so that whatever the opinions they make especially when it comes to science it has to be well researched or if they don't have the ability to research they should not make an opinion and confuse the people who are following them coming to the next question it will be about india's diversity as such we have different regions states languages then we also have regional parties which are making their own what to say stature in the indian political system so how far as uh, these Uh, regional diversity statewide diversities or regional political parties and these institutions have aid 
to this polarization debate as such or is it merely a center uh, central phenomenon i would say that yes polarization as i said earlier it existed in pockets and regions and communities and state parties were also uh, also had a role to play in the uh, polarization of their own respective zones so uh, it is not just a central phenomenon you can see that there is a polarization in uh, uh, in uh, uh, different zones as well for example uh, in the state where i live in tamil nadu uh in tamil nadu you have uh, it was the, it was one of the first states where a regional party came into power uh back in the 1960s because uh, the fear of hindi imposition actually prompted the people to vote for the dravidian parties and uh, the dravidian ideology has also been uh, uh, thriving here ever since then uh, in the form of two different parties dmk and admk so uh, what happened was that yes if you ask me there has been some instances of fascism when karnanidhi and jalalitha were ruling res- uh, respectively uh, people from the other side of the political spectrum were definitely there was definitely a friction between these two and it was reflected in the followers as well so that was uh, so we can say that that was an early stage of indian polarization although it did not lead to violence actually if you ask me in tamil nadu yes these two people figures uh, running the government they did provide social justice to the people but that is a different matter altogether um, uh, yes there was a polarization there was some level of fascism between these two and there uh, there was some friction between the followers that is the example of tamil nadu alone here in kerala too we can see that the congress versus the communist there is again a certain level of polarization or the communist versus the rss in people like in in places like kannur you have you can see the polarization in communist versus rss or in uh, bengal you can see congress versus communist uh, the earlier stages you you could see a lot of polarization even now also you can see tmc versus uh, cpim versus bjp so yes polarization did exist in pockets in some states like tamil nadu it did translate into social justice in some states like bengal it did translate to violence the outcomes are different but it always existed like nafi said i would like to agree to his point that polarization does exist in state but uh, whatever i would like to add is in the recent state elections especially in tamil nadu kerala and west bengal what we have seen is a uh, the polarization has resulted in people either voting for a hindu nationalist party or a secular party probably not in the literal sense but people who don't want to see a proper hindutva re- uh, gaining their power let's look at the elections in west bengal let's west bengal was the highly fought elections ever to happen in the history of state elections bjp's entire union union ministers were almost literally shifted to west bengal because they really wanted to capture that state and it was amitshah's top priority which he provided to lead, to the rss leadership when they came into power in 2014 that they will get west bengal from the tmc now what has happened uh, west bengal has for the last uh, 70 years if they've, they've had a fair share of left politics as well but most of them have shifted directly to trinamool congress from where this mamata banerjee comes from she actually comes from a congress background there there is marginalization of congress happening there as well and in fact for the first time ever in west bengal congress and the left parties contested together but they did not even win a single seat people saw that in order to break this polarization based on religion and to have a 
a more secular government where CA also does not really affect them. They wanted a strong leader like Mamata Banerjee to win again. And there is another reason to it as well. So why TMC backed so many seats compared to West, compared to BJP? Because BJP had all the money. They had the perfect political election machinery to capture one state. But they realized the, the dreams and aspirations which were promised by the Modi government when they came into power that they will build India into a more, uh, more corporate-styled world, they, they were not delivered. They understood that, and the second pandemic, the pandemic also made sure that not much economical advantage can be derived even BJP comes to the power. So that polarization did not really work in West Bengal, whereas BJP won in Assam. Why did that happen? There, they did not even talk about the CAA because they understood, the BJP understood, if they talk about CAA in Assam, they may get a backlash. And they went on to become re-elected again. And that is the first time uh, a party which is did not really have much presence in Assam got re-elected again. Now, look at, look at Tamil Nadu, like Nafi was saying. Stanley got the vote because here again, there was this fight that AIDMK was being captured by BJP. Although BJP only contested in 20-odd seats in Tamil Nadu, people saw AIDMK as a friend face for BJP. So people voted there. And in Kerala, people, those who actually traditionally used to vote for Congress, voted for left this time because they realized even Congress in Kerala were turning towards right because of the views of Shabrimala or how they did not really come together in this EA protest. So polarization is there, but the factor that is influencing these elections in these states are the idea of India. Are we going to remain as a secular country or are we going to make India Hindu Rashtra? So these two ideas are always going to be in fight and they will always going to influence the elections. Now, the other question the listener would be facing is, if that is the case, why aren't the, the state parties making inroads into Lok Sabha elections? That is because we don't really have a party that can take forward all regional parties at one go. We don't have a leader. That is the main problem because we don't have a leader in the Congress. Mamta Banjo Stanley is not a leader for the whole of India. They see Modi as one. So Modi, uh, BJP will always have a definite edge, edge and that could be seen even in 2024 election. So talking about the diversity and uh, difference in religion, caste and whatnot, how far are these being used to polarize people and the society and how has it contributed to changing the political landscape? Uh, if you ask me about religion and caste politics, what I would say that there is a side effect of democracy. That is the so-called vote bank politics. So according to vote bank politics, there is this belief that each and every community uh, vote as a single block to a particular party or candidate. So everyone is painted on the same brush as long as they belong to one certain community. 
how far this belief is true that depends on a lot on a lot of factors sometimes economic issues are more prominent sometimes the community issues are more prominent but we cannot generalize this to all elections maybe some elections it might happen due to some coincidence some elections it might not happen but then political parties need uh, some tried and trusted uh, some insurance policy like uh, they have to get a safe uh, safe way to secure power and they feel that vote bank politics uh, campaigning on the basis of religion and caste that might give them that insurance a safe passage to victory so they tend to uh, they tend to pander or appease certain communities like you have the so called my axis the muslim yadav axis in uh, uttar pradesh or uh, bihar or a certain uh, tevar gaonder axis in uh, tamil nadu or the uh, iravatiya axis in kerala uh, uh, these are some so called uh, so called vote bank politics but we do not know how far they have benefited certain parties i don't personally i don't think people just blindly vote on the basis of community maybe some individuals do but not the entire community so uh, political parties definitely do that uh, they need uh, to secure some way of power so at least those few individuals who vote on community lines uh, you can see that they uh, they would definitely try to vote for uh, vote for that particular party but you know i said this is a side effect because this can take a really ugly turn because once these political parties uh, secure power they again that prejudice is that there's only these particular communities have actually voted for them so they give the government benefits they give the proper law and order benefits infrastructure to only those particular communities and that can uh, uh, that can severely alienate the other communities also also the uh, some bad elements of these dominant communities might feel that okay our person is in power so we can utilize that and uh, harass the other communities and again um, uh, there can be violence also so everything gets skewed here and so that is uh, something which i would say it is a side effect of democracy where people try to create vote banks so uh, right now we are living in a post mandal post liberalization era of indian politics uh, where uh, in the post mandal era obcs have also tried to become prominent so several changes have happened ever since uh, 1990 or 1989 uh, several changes have happened in the landscape landscape some communities are said to have benefited maybe i feel only few individuals but then some people say the entire community has benefited some communities have been said to be unlucky because of that because uh, they lost the dominant status which was there earlier so uh, right now what political parties can do is that uh, or they are doing is that they turn they polarize different communities that is this should uh, uh, should feel that the other community has alienated them so they play the religion and caste dynamics so that uh, maybe that might help them in consolidating power so they look at only the short term gains and maybe due to polarization maybe after communal right between two religions or two castes certain political parties are said to benefit maybe statistically it might be true but we have to refer that but these are all actually short term gains what happens in the long run we will see a, we may see a lot of fault lines we may see a lot of distrust again uh, this may affect us economically because no uh, no company wants to establish their uh, office in a conflict ridden zone so again we have to ponder as indian citizens we have to ponder on that so that is definitely there uh, it has all uh, religion and caste politics is definitely there and it has been influenced uh, and it has influenced polarization as well nationalism and popul- uh, populism are the two highly technical terms used in political academia so in this changing time are we seeing a new version of nationalism and populism or both of these combined 
about nationalism and populism i would like to talk about nationalism first nationalism is something that that the idea of india that idea is something which is very close to our hearts as indian citizens personally if you ask me i am one of the biggest patriots for me my nation comes first and patriotism nationalism these are something which uh, can easily sell uh, it feels wholesome when we see when our uh, uh, when our country is shining when mangalyan shone we were all having that goosebumps moment uh, when uh, our when when we say that we indians discovered zero that also gives us a certain goosebumps moment in fact i am proud of my culture and heritage and every indian i'm sure most indians are proud of their culture and heritage whichever community you belong to for us our country is really important and so from independence or even before independence uh, several political outfits several social movements they have experimented with some sort of nationalism so that they can achieve their political and social goals in fact jawaharlal nehru who people claim to be liberal uh, he was the first prime minister and he campaigned on the basis of positive nationalism uh, so that uh, and that actually made him in three consecutive lok sabha elections one of the reasons because uh positive nationalism as in india is a newly formed country we have a huge hope to be a, a, an upcoming superpower we are going to be a socialist country a protectionist country where we would we would manufacture things for ourselves we would be self sufficient all those ideologies of jawaharlal nehru actually helped uh, people identify with that kind of nationalism that our nationalism was used to foster a positive outlook uh, to the future and he won three consecutive lok sabha elections then from lal bahadur shastri to indira gandhi all parties congress or bjp or uh, or janata party everyone has camp, uh, campaigned with some sort of nationalism in fact uh, uh, in the anna hazare movement which i had taken part when i was young uh, you could see that we were all proudly waving the national flag and singing uh, uh, songs from lagan and roja along with the people it just gave that sense of uh, sense of national duty when we were fighting against corruption back in those days now currently the trend is that linking nationalism with religion so some uh, sections have actually tried to do that linking nationalism and religion and certain sections of the society have not society section individuals have actually accepted that narrative and that has become far more mainstream than 10 to 20 years earlier so uh, today uh, so that kind of a nationalism is actually uh, uh, it was there earlier but then becoming mainstream is something new to indian politics when compared to earlier kinds of nationalism and then uh, the second point on populism again populism is because people politicians want to answer to certain groups which have felt alienated as i said earlier post mandal post liberalization era several people have felt alienated and so populist people politicians only try to only claim to answer to the economic aspirations of these individuals so right now what populists can actually do they can link nationalism they can link religion they can link populism all together and we have seen that it has actually become a winning formula at least in this current point of history all right uh, so i would actually like to differentiate what a patriot is and a nationalist is before commenting on the subject so who is a patriot a patriot is one who loves his country and uh, and is proud of what it does whereas a nationalist loves his country and is proud of his country just like in patriot the only difference is he loves his country no matter what it does i would like to describe myself as a patriot i love my country but i don't like what india is doing in jammu and kashmir or in assam or with regard to the farm laws or with regard to sedition amendment laws i am still a patriot i was part of ncc during my college days but i don't like what india is doing in these things tomorrow 
uh, on monday we have a strike which is against the farmers as a patriot i want the government to listen to the farmers but if i'm a nationalist no matter what happens it is now been equated as someone who is part of the government this is what is happening in our country right now he doesn't differentiate between what his views are and what the what the views of india are and what the views of the government is so this is what i would like to say about na- being nationalist now about pop, pop being popular our country for the last few years has been voting based not not just based on their political ideology but based on who the leader is many people see modi as the messiah they see modi is someone who can deliver promises they don't want to look at uh, what the other what the other prime ministers have done they want to make sure that you know whatever modi is done is either right or wrong is the best to the interest of the country now what happens is when when someone when when a person gets enough power from the people from the media he can turn into an authoritarian leader and uh, we are seeing this even in india we've seen that in, in turkey we've seen that in us but what has happened is the uh, electorally decided that you know trump has to go this has not happened in india yet so there is a very thin line i would like to call myself an i respect my country i have huge love for what the uh, whatever country stands for but i have this problems and I, as a patriot or as a citizen i think it is a duty of a citizen to question the government in power okay. so coming to the last part which will be despite all these divisions and the the diversity then the polarized environment right now how do we solve the problem how do we reduce this polarization at least what we can do at an individual level so solutions are middle ground in indian politics for that i can say there are several solutions actually politics is connected to society and economy so we need not change the political landscape we can rather change the social and economical landscape because we don't want to antagonize those who are in power that would be really risky for us as individuals so let us do one thing let us influence society or let us influence the economy like uh, so that the uh, so that influence on these two or any one of these two parameters will influence the other parameters uh, so right now let us consider a social change but we as youth of the nation we as the future leaders of the nation we can actually work hard to bring a social change so that for the best interest of our nation what we can use is i can tell you there are three tools to bring a social change one is literature one is art one is science why am i talking about these three tools because uh, we as i said history repeats and through historical example we can see that these three tools have actually brought huge changes to society i want to talk about one particular example the european renaissance movement look at europe today where western civilization is standing right now a few centuries back maybe around the middle ages this was not the europe which we see today in fact those were called the dark ages in the european history uh, since the fall of the roman empire so uh, how did europe become what it was there today how did europe be, uh, reach today's stage 
what i would tell you is that uh, at that point of time during the dark ages european society was actually in a decline you could say there were a lot of barbarians there was a uh, lack of hygiene only few uh, few elite people could actually survive the others had a low life expectancy and all that how did such a society become the leading civilization of today's age i would tell you it was the renaissance age the europeans at that time they uh, innovated in literature arts science you saw leonardo da vinci you saw uh, dante uh, several innovations in literature arts and science you could see at that point of time and actually that was what uh, brought uh, europe to what the current stage was because they kept on innovating in fact the western culture from that point onwards they started focusing on what to do tomorrow how to innovate tomorrow so that our children will benefit if not us that was why they uh, why christopher columbus uh, could get the funding to travel all over the world and discover america that was the reason why the protestant movement could find, uh, could gain hold in some countries in europe uh, And, and several other things which happened there so why not use these tried and tested tools to bring a middle ground or solution in indian society why not use arts like movies music literature to unite the people instead of black and white let us unite the people in the shades of gray so let us uh, let us after all we all know art is a universal language there is no language barrier for art music is universal movies are universal if you have subtitles paintings are universal literature can be translated from one language to another so why not use these tools so what i would propose is that the youth of the country first of all all of us should work on new innovation in all these spheres of the country so that would uh, actually help in uh, bringing uh, br- uh, bringing people closer to each other that would help in reinforcing bonds between people and now i would like to say something controversial until now i have been very very neutral very very balanced but now i want to bring something controversial look at the kind of music which is being provided in the movies today why do we listen to more remixes of older songs or more electro sounds which are borrowed from foreign countries why are we not seeing uh, any other new innovations uh, like we used to see back in the 90s when ar rahman was there or back in the 80s or 70s when rd burman and ilai raja brought in new sounds why can't we see such new things happening because there is a lack of innovation and i think we should wake up from our slumber i am not a musician so i cannot innovate in music but maybe i can try my best to innovate in a field which i am good at but if any musician is listening this please get inspired by me and try to innovate in the music field or if any artist is here please get inspired by me i am not an inspiring figure but at least get inspired by my words and try to uh, innovate in your respective field i would also play my role in that then there is a second solution community leaders cutting across ethnic religious caste language people across groups should uh, share stage together hold hands together and speak on nation building activities so when they share stage you can actually see that their followers across communities we get a combined audience uh, when these people share stage so these people should inspire their uh, combined audience to work on nation building activities by nation building activities i am not asking you to uh, uh, go and petition the government and get uh, 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 get uh, things done through them no i think people should work on the, uh, uh, should uh, should combine their own resources and manpower to work for uh, welfare of society in general politicians are politicians they are only going to look at their life they don't have time to go and help the downtrodden or people in general so let people let us stand up for ourselves let us try to work uh, for a library or a park or a recreation center or a school or work for charity etc let us combine our resources let us combine our manpower 
of course uh, because resources are being combined we have to do a strict auditing of the finance no one should steal money no one should try to uh, uh, do some sort of corruption or uh, or any small small uh, uh, thing criminal activities there and again we as educated youth we can also come together we can also inspire the people motivate the people to work for that so such actions we are doing only because we want to ensure two things first thing is that people should see beyond the binary it is not just black and white there are shades of gray or brown in between and people should form a bond with people from the other side instead of us versus them instead of that uh, thick wall or thick line in between people should uh, meet people from the other side shake hands with each other have a human bond after all we are made of flesh and blood after all we are all indians so we have to work hard for the growth of our nation so that mindset should be inculcated and i think we as youth have the potential to lead our country to that direction all right jerem you asked about where can we have a middle ground for uh, uh, when it comes to this thing i think the place where we need to have agree is the indian parliament sadly what's been happening is in the last few years hardly any bills which is exactly which will affect us in future many bills do have been sent to a select committee there are no discussions yes there may record number of bills passed in one session why is it happening because there is no discussion happening it has come to a point where our legislatures whom we elect do not discuss the laws or the bills or the acts that will eventually affect us give you a stat 70% of the bills in the 16th lok Uh, in the 15th lok sabha was sent to select committee and in the 16th lok sabha only 25 bills were sent and even less in the current lok sabha which is the 17th this is indeed a sad state this is why there has been even the cgi remark that people can't come to the supreme court saying that this is not what we want it is why the cgi also remarked that the parliament really need to discuss these things in detail before this is given to the public as an act so i believe discussions ought to happen not just between our friends but also in the parliament the legislators need to discuss the pros and cons where can be a middle ground what are the aspirations of uh, of the section of the people where where the bill is introduced like for example when the transgender bill was introduced in 2019 the transgenders themselves were not happy with the bill but did the government listen to them no they didn't and there have been many bills that been introduced even without giving the legislators an hour to read through the bill to read through the provisions they have to literally run to the parliament to get a glimpse of these bills right and we as an individuals what can we do i think the least we can do is to educate people on a topic when there is two sides to it give them objective objective views into what the topic is about and let them make a decision out of this object objective reports that's that's what i wanted to come here thank you both of you it was like quite insightful as well as uh, the remarks made were actually touchy and it's really something which we should follow uh, i especially 
take from what Nafi said, the Renaissance moment in Europe, the scientific development which took place in the past 300 years and how it has changed Europe and then spread out to the entire world and coming to Ritu's point where parliament, which is the melting point of Indian democracy as well as where the entire country comes together in a single place and discuss different things, how to empower it, not only to discuss bills and legislate laws, but also to have a healthy discussion amongst politicians so that they themselves go beyond their party or polarized regional lines. So before we end this uh, discussion as such, I would also like to ask you what will be the way forward for us, uh, not only speaking about the present, but maybe uh, 10, 15 years or even 20, 25 years. What do you think would be the situation which we can see from the lens of today? From the lens of today, we can see that uh, the country's politics has shifted way to the right. Okay, it is natural. It is a natural outcome of what has happened all these years. So definitely, we have uh, shifted way to the right. Now, all parties, whether uh, capitalistic or socialistic, whether right wing or left wing, they need to have some form of religion or uh, patriotism. They need to uh, they need to cling on to some form of religion or patriotism so that they stay relevant politically. Or they need to have huge amount of money and infrastructure to completely change the narrative, which I am not sure would happen unless some party, some someone shrewd enough joins politics and tries to get that much level of in infrastructure. I don't think that is possible. So uh, uh, there are several possibilities which are going to happen right now. But then uh, if we have to heal the current level of polarization, I want to, uh, uh, I, I agree with what Ritu sir said earlier. Uh, we need uh, uh, parliamentary debates to be back to what they used to be earlier. Like uh, when it comes to parliamentary debates, I would say there are three Ds when it comes to parliamentary debates. The first D is uh, uh, discussion. Second is uh, debate. Third is deliberation. So these three Ds need to uh, come back to the mainstream because uh, uh, who, who, is the, uh, who are the stakeholders when these debates are being presented? Most cases, it is the uh, citizens in general. In some cases, it is the uh, it is certain uh, sections in particular, like transgenders bill was for transgenders and farmers farm laws were for the farmers. So, if you ask me, uh, why do we see such a huge protest for the farm laws? I think the main problem was that there was no proper debate. Uh, like the people who are in support of the farm law, one argument which I heard was that farm law would farm law would actually eliminate the possibility of farm suicides in the future. Maybe it is a valid point. Uh, uh, the ones who are against the farm laws said that farm laws would lead to a monopoly of certain uh, companies or individuals in the agriculture sector. Maybe that's also a valid point. But then people across the other side of the spectrum are not even willing to hear these points because there was no proper debate in between. If, if at all the government before passing the bills actually consulted people from the opposition parties or from the farm sector, maybe they could have actually got the past uh, dignified, uh, not dignified, maybe uh, things would have been more dignified in the end. I'm talking about the outcome, not about the actions of the government. Uh, so, yeah, maybe the stakeholders have to be consulted. Maybe the three Ds have to come back. So what we should do is we should demand to our MPs, look, yo, we are sending you to the parliament to debate that, to discuss that. So you have to do that. So people all over the country should actually demand that 
but again as ritu sir said we need to educate the people to a certain level where they actually can demand such again uh if we have to heal the country's politics i would say that to bring a complete change there should be a complete uh, to bring a complete change in the country's politics we need to bring a, a so called black swan technology a black swan technology is something which one prominent author said that it is a kind of technology which uh, which changes the day to day human life for example we had the rise of internet and social media in the past decade or so that actually changed the politics because today we see a lot polarized lot more polarized than earlier maybe a new black one, black swan technology might come up in the future that can actually spiral into a domino effect to our political landscape as well maybe that would change the world politics in general and indian politics in particular next thing what i personally wish to see is that i want more transparency in politics maybe if we bring a trans uh, maybe if we bring a black swan technology that would actually bring more transparency in politics and uh, government working and bureaucracy and corporate world in general maybe such a black swan technology might uh, heal everyone and everything because there is going to be more accountability and our day to day life will only improve so definitely the youth has a huge role the youth of the nation has a huge role to play so i would say three words three things youth should first innovate secondly they should innovate thirdly they should innovate so that is the tried and tested formula to change everything what we everything as we see today i would like to conclude by this what is happening in the current indian scenarios we do have really good strong state parties but we don't have a united opposition which is coming under one table when it comes to the government says this is what they want and that's exactly what is happening in our country there is not a unified opposition that can question the government this was not the case in the previous upa government there were other political parties who were able to influence the government decisions and most of the decisions that were made were also taken respecting the opposition views now what is happening is currently the government thinks this is what they want and this is exactly what they have been implemented whether it is uh, the recent farm laws or whether any other law which will come in future what can we do about this we have little power for this we yes we as a people are the ones who elect them but it is again the leadership of this re, uh, of the national parties and the uh, and state parties that needs to come together find a common ground have someone appointed to talk to the government and convey the aspirations or what the government is or, or what the citizens are feeling let's let's take a uh, example within the government itself we have subramanya swami who has already said that economic situation of the country is going down the drain uh people elected this government thinking that they will they'll be a pro corporate back government but what is happening is this government only favors a couple or probably a handful of corporates that means the divide between the rich and the poor is increasing at a dramatic rate even the small vendors or the shopkeepers are feeling the pinch of the economic collapse and this did not happen all of a sudden or due to covid it happened since demonetization happened way back in 2016 even subramanya swami who is an who is a prominent bjp leader submitted his solutions they were hardly acknowledged they were acknowledged but they were not implemented according to his tweet so and also what is happening in the current government is 
the power to make decision has been centralized to pmo this needs to go all ministers needs to have the power to take a decision in their respective fields and the power can't be to one person there needs to be we are a democratic com- uh, country the democratic principles needs to be there even in the elected government the the people who have been elected uh, in the uh, party which are running our party have to make sure that their voices are also heard if their voices are not heard how are we going to expect the government to listen to the voices of the opposition so unless we have a middle ground where everyone comes together and this is for the benefit of the country together unfortunately what is happening is our country is going to a situation where polarization which is our main topic is being given more importance than the economic upliftment of our society until that happens we will have this debates we can have this debates but there is no a solution to it and the solution needs to come from the government they need to listen to the opposition parties opposition parties need to come together uh, the congress should understand that they have been marginalized maybe they should give more room and take a step back instead of trying to be the leader of the opposition party the previous point in the previous question which was uh, about giving objective information and information rich uh, reports and informative articles which have to be provided to the public as such and they themselves should decide on whether they should accept it reject it what view they should have i think that exactly is what we uh, here do the articles which we provide are completely objective free from any external opinion propaganda or any particular voice which is being sidelined or any particular voice which is being portrayed largely we actually do objective analysis on various topics and we'll continue to do that and make sure that public itself can choose what they want to believe in or have an opinion on at the same time it would be so just uh, concluding with the episode as uh, do you have any book recommendations or any youtube channel or even any particular show for the audience and anyone to research and understand this topic i know ritu you are a ardent book reader and you have read a lot of books especially on indian politics so do you have any suggestion even nafi you can pitch in all right so i'll go first i think see uh, while we study history in our school we've given a very very small glimpse of what the freedom struggle was uh, what what our colonial history history was i think to understand uh the history before independence anyone can read william dalrymple books it will give you how british government actually worked with the indians how how then that would be a good book to start with and uh, if you want to start what is happening in india after independence you can always refer to india after gandhi uh, these are books actually which are read uh, by ias aspirants as well these are objective books Uh, they will tell you what happened and you also have india struggle for uh, independence written by bibin chandra these are books that i would like to recommend uh, to the listeners what i would like to recommend to the listeners is that uh, first thing is that uh, read your school textbooks your history and geography you know most of the people are actually learning them by heart and vomiting them on the paper they are not reading beyond that 
So first, uh, uh, read the history, civics, and geography textbooks. NCERT books are really uh, excellent. Actually, I studied in the state board, but then last year I took my brother's NCERT history books and I read them. The history, civics books—they are very excellent. So I would say, uh, people who do not have a reading habit, at least try reading that. Okay, the books are colorful and all that. So I would say, uh, you won't get bored. Then what I would say is that have a habit of reading the newspaper every day. Uh, I I read the Hindu newspaper. uh if you feel that due to the pandemic uh, you cannot touch the paper maybe go for the digital version they provide excellent discounts once in a while uh, the hindu e paper so i could get one year subscription for 800 rupees maybe last year around 2020 i paid i still read the uh, online version every day so uh, do check out for discounts uh, for hindu newspaper these two are the primary sources then uh, i would further um, uh, recommend uh, Uh, you can read whatever book you want, but before reading that, please check the review online uh, from multiple sources because some people just want to give opinions and not objective facts. So I would say that uh, uh, read whatever you want, read all sides of the political spectrum. Do not limit yourselves to one side. Uh, uh, and uh, if you want to know about Indian history, maybe if you are not a good reader, read the Amritsar Kada or that. But that would be too child. Uh, some people will find that too childish, but I still read them. and uh, of course there are many several bigger books on history and human nature like uh, sapiens and uh, uh, and encyclopedia britannica and all that keep reading more and more uh, i think that would uh, uh, inculcate that reading habit so that you get the tendency to question things all around you i think that tendency would uh, help us see things between black and white and not uh, uh, between the shades of gray and gray and not just black and white really that's really well put especially with respect to ncert which are really good for easy understanding as well as for any beginner to get introduced to various subjects as well as the books said by ritu jacob which my, which will be quite interesting to read as well as would be fact rich and afi also suggested the habit of uh, reading newspapers or even the digital news which we get online and i'm also really happy to know that you are a paid subscriber to these platforms which is indeed a good uh, what to say good habit that each person who is reading news should follow and what exactly do you think about this podcast how did it go uh, we do in particular especially on various platforms Do you think podcasts like this really help people understand different things, different topics, different contemporary issues? What's your opinion or views regarding that? Frankly speaking, I would say podcasts uh, actually help people. Uh, if you see, podcasts are actually a uh, digital version of the radios which we have. Uh, even now, radio is the most trusted uh, uh, source of mass communication compared to television. I think several statistics say that even in this day and age. so i think podcasts are the digital successor to the uh, radios which we have but then there are some people who do not uh, like just listening they want to see something also of course we can uh, uh, i think work on those platforms also like youtube maybe video uh, video platforms as well but uh, podcasts are really good they uh, answer questions in the language which people want to hear language as in not in emotions <laughs> uh, but uh, in simple uh, english language in day to day informal english uh spoken english i think uh, that is a very good uh, idea and of course jairam's uh, medium blog is something excellent i have also written something although it was a non political topic i did uh, write once it was my first experience in blogging and actually this is my first podcast you know i'm actually thankful to jairam for hosting this and i'm thankful to uh, ritu sir also 
because uh, as i said in the beginning uh, before we jo- uh, we ca- started the podcast i said that okay ritu sir is speaking so definitely we will get new insights on indian politics definitely i got new insights uh, thank you sir for uh, being the co panelist i thank you all the listeners for listening to uh, our opinions here not just opinions we spoke on facts also so i hope we get another uh, opportunity to interact again thank you i think podcast was a way forward uh, uh, the good thing about podcast is if you have a spotify account or a apple uh, phone you can always listen to podcast wherever you are and uh, and the other another advantage you can do any other work and also listen to just like listening to songs just that you need to pay a little more attention to what uh, you are listening to uh and uh, i thank jairam and also nafi this was really an interesting podcast on uh, indian polity uh and i think uh, listeners yes uh, we did say a lot of facts but i would also ask urge you to go and recheck on this facts again you never know uh, you will stumble on even more uh, information on the internet and always do background checks never never go with one source always look for multiple sources this is a post truth world and uh, that's only can you have uh, can you come up with your own opinions thank you so much okay so i can't stop thanking you both for taking your time off your schedule and coming here and breaking down this really complex topic and you have discussed a lot of here hope the audience will surely find it insightful and informative so i'll be attaching both of your uh, social media handles in the description so you can contact them get in touch ask them for their uh, different book suggestions or the youtube channels or podcast whatever they follow and try to read and get information as much as possible and apart from that do follow us on all the podcast streaming platforms and social media handles to stay updated and also we have also started a news capsule which will be based on fortnight please do check out our other articles which are outside the news capsule on various issues on medium and blogspot which are available in the description too you can surely check them out let us know your opinion comment or any feedback if you have and thank you once again for your time and your Welcome to yet another episode of Journal of Knowledge. I hope you have really enjoyed our previous episode which explained to you in detail regarding the politics and geopolitics of COVID-19 vaccine. I also hope that you are vaccinated and really safe. It can not only help you as an individual but also will be helpful for the community at large. Today, I am here with an exciting episode. that space don indian politics indian politics has always been an area of interest both academically and also in understanding the socio political dynamics of this country indian politics of course is unique and stands apart from politics of rest of the countries starting from independence in 1947 we have a tons of political parties as well as had really vibrant elections india is also the world's largest democracy it's a federal republic and is also a secular country with all these diversity 
as well as the unity in diversity which we call it as why is that in the past few years we have been experiencing a wide range of polarization that's happening within the political spectrum and how it has been affecting us we are getting more intolerant we are refusing to listen to opposing views we don't want to have a healthy conversation we are getting divided and divided each day that passes on so we inspect on how important indian politics is and why the polarization is really affecting and what all are the effects and the reasons behind the polarization both panelists today will speak to you are really proficient in indian politics and also they have a real good understanding of media and also the society we live in they have been following a lot of contemporary issues news they also have a lot of views and insights to share with you at the same time they will introduce you to a lot of resources which will really be helpful in you getting at most knowledge on this subject so please do stick on till the end listen to what all they want to say listen to different perspectives and have your own opinion and let me know your feedback stay tuned and enjoy the show stick on till the end